Last week we talked about the truth that being a disciple of Jesus is really the, the process of continually giving your heart to Christ. And that, that's really what the, the, the process of being a disciple is, is, is giving your heart continually to Christ. It's not this one-time event where you say, okay, my heart is yours, and then you go on. It's not this one-time event where you say, okay, I, I see all this and I give you my heart, and then you move on down the road. No, it is this process. Being a disciple of Jesus is the process of daily, and I'll just tell you sometimes hourly, submitting your heart, giving your heart to Jesus Christ. And that's, that's really what it entails. It's not this thing we can say, you know what, I've got that covered and that's taken care of. It is this process of, of sometimes hourly submitting your heart to Jesus Christ. One of the great mysteries is why this world again becomes attractive to us. You know, that doesn't make any sense. And that's, that's one of the great mysteries. One of the great mysteries is why the things and the ways of this world begin to, to lure us back in and to draw us back in. And we can, we can say what we want, but that's the honest truth. And that, that is a tremendous mystery. Why would we have received such a great salvation, received and understood such a great Savior, and the things of the world continue to draw us back in? It is the process of, of continually giving our hearts to Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we will end up with divided hearts. Well, here's the question for today. How can you tell if a person's heart is truly given to Jesus? How can you tell where a person's heart truly lies? And really, this is for us. And so looking at your own heart have you given it totally to Jesus? How can you tell, how can you know if you've totally given your heart to Jesus? Is there a way? How can a person know if they've truly given their heart to Jesus? Today in our verses, I believe we're gonna see the answer to that. Today our message is entitled, A Matter of the Heart. A Matter of the Heart. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 22 Today, verses 54 through 62. We're going to continue moving along. Luke chapter 22, today, verses 54 through 62. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the, of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 22, beginning here in verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. 
And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we come into your presence. We come as a people that are, that are sinful, as a people that are prideful, as a people that have rebelled against the holy God, but we also come in the grace and the kindness and the provision of a loving Savior that we are forgiven in Christ that we are restored, that we're made new in Christ, that we can come and speak to the creator of all things in prayer through Christ. And so we, we come today, Lord, and we just praise the name of Jesus Christ. We come and we assemble and our hearts ring out the love we have for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that, that you would truly speak to us. And I, I pray that we would slow down and we would pause and we would understand this is not a, a normal event, not a natural event not a, a lecture, the passing of information, but this is a supernatural event when you speak to your people. And so, Lord, we ask that you speak to us today, that you lead us today, that you convict us today, that you change us today. Some here without a relationship with Christ, that you save them today. Lord, I pray that your, your word would, would fulfill what you send it to do. You tell us it will not leave empty or void. Lord, I pray for any hindrance to be removed in this hour. I pray for any distraction. I pray that our minds are set and focused upon you and our ears lean to hear from you. And then again, I pray that you're glorified in this event. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, we continue to move through the account of Jesus' arrest, his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection is recorded here in the last two and a half chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Today, as we progress through these chapters, we come to an account that, if you think about it, is really a very deep account. It is a very meaningful account as we see the picture that is unfolding, as we see all that's involved, all that's going on here in this process now leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, this morning is interesting because we have the account of what is happening to Jesus. Here's what's happening to Jesus. And then right in the midst of that, we have this episode with Peter. And so here's the unfolding of these last hours of Jesus. And then right in the midst of that, here's this episode of Peter, this account of Peter's denial of Jesus. Now, it must be a necessary account it must be an important account. It is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Now, as I look at it, and as I have looked at it, I'm not sure if we're to look at Jesus and see how what's going on with Peter impacts his story, or I'm not sure if we're to look at Peter and see what's going on with Jesus and how that impacts his story. And so as I, as I read through the verses, as I, as I see this account introduced, I'm not sure if we're to, to focus on Peter or if we're to focus on Jesus. And so really today, we're going to look at both of them as we move through these verses. Now, of all that we're going to see today in our verses, remember the question is this, how can you tell if a person's heart is truly given to Jesus. So again, as we move through the account, as we see what happens to Peter, as we see what's going on with Jesus, remember the question as we move, how can you tell if a person's heart is given truly 
to Jesus. Here we go, looking at verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. Now, as we read the gospel accounts, we will see that Jesus actually goes through six trials on his way to the cross. The first trial that we read about, it's not in this gospel, but it's with Annas, the high priest. In fact, he was the former high priest. He was no longer the high priest, but he was a man who still carried great influence. He was a man who still carried great power. And really, when you look at the context, maybe he was the leader of all of these that were opposed to Jesus. And so the first we see he goes to Annas. Then from there, Jesus is taken to Annas' son-in-law, Caiaphas. Caiaphas is the current high priest. And so he has this first interrogation. From there he goes to the house of Caiaphas, who is the current high priest. And that is where we find Jesus today. He has been arrested. He's been brought to the house of the high priest, Caiaphas. Now, see the picture here. These men, these priests, were to be the go-between for God's people and God himself. These men, they had a sacred place. They had a sacred calling. These men, of all the people, they were to be in tune with what God was doing. And from his word, from the direction of his word, of all people, they should have been the people looking for the Messiah trying to determine when the Messiah was coming, who the Messiah was. These men were to be leading God's people in the honor and the worship of God. Instead, we find that they have taken this religious system and they have made it into a political system to benefit themselves. And that's really what, what the whole goings on are here. They have taken this religious system this stewardship, this place that they were given, and they've upside turned it upside down into a political system that would benefit them. Be very sure of this. These men were not for God, and these men were not for the people. These men were for themselves. How wicked that these men, hiding in these pretenses, are standing in judgment of Jesus. And I sit there and think about that. Can you imagine how, how profound that is? Here are these guys who have perverted the word of God, who have ignored the word of God, who have exalted themselves, who have taken their sacred calling, and here they are as wicked men judging, standing in judgment of Jesus himself. So the verse says they'd made it to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And the Bible says this, Peter was following at a distance. It is dangerous to be with Jesus. It could have been detrimental to be with Jesus. And so the Bible tells us Peter follows at a distance. Verse 55. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. It was a cool night. It may have been comfortable during the day, but it was a cool night and so the servants built a fire there in the middle, the midst of the courtyard. 
Now understand all of the important people, all of the priests and the, the scribes and the Pharisees of importance, they would have been participating in the questioning of Jesus. But the servants of these folks, the servants, they have gathered here in the courtyard and they are sitting, the Bible says, here in the courtyard. And so the Bible tells us Peter was sitting among them. It literally translates in their midst. And so here are the servants and they've, they've, they've started a fire there to keep warm and Peter is found in the midst of them, sitting in the middle of them. Now I don't know what Peter was thinking. I can, I can try and think about that, but I don't know honestly what he was thinking. But see this. He is there, but he's not close. He is there, but he's out with the servants. He's, he's in the midst of the servants. Now, I don't think we can take this too far. I don't think we can push this analogy too far. But isn't this something we do as well? We want to be close to Jesus, but just not that close. We want to be part of the cause. Oh, I want to be counted as part of the cause. But we don't want to be sold out to the cause. You see, it would have been sold out to, to stand up and draw near to Jesus. We want to, we want to be with Jesus. We want to be close to Jesus, but we like the options that are available that if we need to, we can blend in somehow with the crowd. And I think many times today we have become courtyard Christians. Let me tell you something, in these last days and the events that are going on in this world, there is no place any longer for courtyard Christians. Verse 56. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, this man was with him too. There is a servant girl, the Bible tells us, she is sitting and it says that she is looking intently. Now that means she is looking intently carefully at Peter. There is the light of the fire. The light is, is, is flickering off in the fire and she sees him sitting in the midst of them. The Bible says, and she said, now I want you to notice this, she doesn't ask, but she said, this man was with him too. She sees in the light of the fire, she is certain, she is sure, this man, this one, this man was with him too. Now, I'm not sure where she had seen him. Maybe it was in the week previous. Maybe it was at some time as, as he passed on his way to the temple. Maybe it was sometime they heard his, his teaching somewhere. Maybe she was even in the crowd that was, was following after his arrest. But whatever it was, she recognized Peter and she was not wrong. This man was with him too. Now I was thinking about that. Remember in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13. And you can go and you, and you read the account there. And, and remember there, when the people saw the boldness of Peter and John. One, one of my favorite accounts, when they, when they hear the wisdom of their teaching, when they hear the wisdom of their preaching, and yet they knew these are just ordinary men. These are just, these are just normal men. But they're seeing this incredible boldness. They're hearing this profound preaching from them. Remember it said this, they recognized them as having been with Jesus. Friends, that ought to be our goal. That ought to be our goal. As a member of Calvary Baptist Church, 
Our, our goal would be that people would say, you know what, there's been a change in them. You know what, they're not, they're not like this world. Oh, that our lives will be marked that we have been with Jesus. Listen, that, that ought to be our goal. They're, they're normal people. We've seen where they came out of. We've seen where they came from. But there's been a change in Jesus. And the only answer is they must have been with Jesus. Oh, that we'd be known for having been with Jesus. Verse 57. But he denied it saying, woman, I do not know him. The word here in the original language for denied literally translates, he refused it, he contradicted it, he went the other way, or he disowned it. Most literal translation, he didn't take ownership of it, he disowned it. Now the word here for woman, when I hear him say woman, I wonder what that means. It is a generic word for a woman. It is, it is, it is saying lady or woman. So he says, Lady, woman, I do not know him. Peter says, I do not even know him. I'm not with him. In fact, I don't even know him. Verse 58. A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. A little later, another one saw him. And he says, you are one of them too. Now notice, again, it's not a question. There's, there's no doubt. Perhaps this is one, or, or he looks like maybe he was one. He says, you are one of them too. There's no doubt. He, he sees him. He recognizes him. You are one of them also. And Peter said, man, Peter said, fella, I am not. Peter is adamant. I am not. Verse 59, after about an hour passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. Notice this in verse 59. This man, when you read verse 59 and you read through it, notice he's not addressing Peter. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see the trouble that's brewing? He's addressing the crowd. He's, he's attempting to rouse the crowd. Certainly this man was also with him. He's, he's insisting. He's, he's making his case. He is persuading. Do you see this man? Certainly this man. He's inciting the crowd. Surely this man. Now not only does he say we've seen him with him, he says, listen to how he talks. He's a, he's a Galilean to boot. He's saying, how much more proof do you need? How much, how much more information do you need? Yes, for sure he was with him. Yes, look at him crowd. Yes, he was one that was with him. Verse 60. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. In one of the other gospel accounts, he says it even with a curse word attached to it. He, he's adamant. Man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. Bible says here, as Peter's words are still flowing out, as the echo of Peter's words haven't even cleared the air, a rooster 
crows. Peter's there and he says, I don't know him. Somebody else says, well, look, it looks like you're there. I don't know him. Someone says, surely he was with him. Look, he's even from Galilee. I don't know him, man. I don't even know who he is. I don't know what you're talking about. And before his words even clear the air as the early morning now starts to break, as the hours have gone on, as he's speaking into the air, I don't know him. Somewhere a lone rooster crows. I can almost feel it. Has your rooster ever crowed? What I mean by that is this. You've talked big. You've picked up the name of Jesus Christ. You've had good intentions. You'd hope for better. Oh, you'd hope for better. Oh, you'd wish for better, but you fell short. You messed up. And somewhere there in the dark, as you sit there, the rooster crows. And you feel it. Verse 61, very heavy verse. The Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Feel the verse. Notice the language here. The Lord turned, not Jesus turned, The Lord turned. Our Lord turned. Now he's being mocked. He is being ridiculed. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? They're trying to trap him. Isn't that what you've been saying? Have you put yourself on par with God? Isn't that what you've been teaching? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trap him. He's, he's being publicly shamed as they take him from this house and now they've ended at this house. They, they're pushing him around and a, and a blow will fly in and, and strike him and someone might spit on him as he passes by and he's publicly shamed. Isn't that what you said? Why don't you tell us what you said? The, the hatred of the crowd is, is focused on him and the, the crowd is around him. That's who they're looking at. And in that, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. The word in the Greek means gazed intently at. See the picture, see the picture. His people have rejected him. He came into his own, they received him not. His nation, his own nation hates him. Can you imagine that? His own nation, God's own people, they hate him. His family doesn't even believe him. His family thinks he's some kind of of crazy fool. And so there he is. And now his closest friends abandon him. His closest friends deny that they even know him. And there he is. And he's in the midst of the crowd. And their, their, their hatred is pouring in on him. But in the midst of the crowd, he is alone. He is alone. He has no help. He is alone. He has no one to comfort him. He is alone. He has no kind eyes to look into and he's alone and there alone he looks at Peter. There's an old hymn it was written by a preacher in 1693 and the hymn's entitled 
Must Jesus bear the cross alone? The hymn starts off. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? What we see here is these hours move along. We see his abandonment is complete. And he may have come there to the, to the cheer of a crowd. He may have come there and crowds may have been drawn. He may have retreated with the 12 and he had those closest. He may have known these three, they will stick with me. But now his abandonment is complete and they've gone and they've turned. As he stands there, he hears he's denied and he looks at his friend. Must Jesus bear the cross alone while all the world goes free? Bible says the Lord looked at Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before a rooster crows today, before it crows this very day, you will deny me three times. That's in verse 34. Remember what Peter said, not I, Lord. I will fight with you, not I, Lord. I'll even go to prison with you, not I, Lord. But now the rooster has crowed. And Peter remembers. Verse 62. And he went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly in the original language, in the Greek, means to deeply mourn. I don't know that we, we understand the heaviness of this. It means to heavily lament. Eight times it's used in this context, and all eight times it is referring to uncontainable, audible grief. This is not sobbing. This is not sighing. This is, this is to wail. This is to cry out. He leaves and he weeps bitterly. Jesus turns and he looks at Peter and Peter remembers the words of his Lord and he hurries and he scurries and he gets out of that courtyard and there he begins to break into weeping and to crying and to wailing. I can't imagine Peter Regret and regret and regret. Disgust with yourself. I know who he is. I know he's the son of the living God. I said that. He's the Christ. Regret and regret and disgust with yourself. I can't imagine Jesus. You see, he hurts. The situation he's in, he, he hurts but, but added to that, those that he loves, they're hurting as well. You see, this is, this is one of his beloved. This is one of his, his closest friends. And so not only is he hurting, as he goes through this process, he sees his dear friend and his dear friend is hurting as well. And he sees his friend and he sees the guilt that's now been set on his friend. He sees the, the betrayal that he's now spoken and the weight of it as it's set on his friend. He sees the heart of his friend as it begins to break and he sees his friend as he turns and he scurries away. He sees Peter and he, he knows Peter and he hurts for Peter. He tried, Peter tried. He was just a man, he tried, but now his heart is broken and he scurries out of the courtyard. But then Jesus 
has to turn back to the matter at hand. Don't you imagine he wanted to run after Peter? Don't you imagine he wanted to say, oh, Peter, it's okay, I understand. I understand the frailty of a human skin. Don't you know he wanted to run after Peter? But he had to turn back to the matter at hand. Do you know when a person's heart is given to Christ? Is it when they sing? What awesome songs we we were singing today. Is it when we sing? Is it when we worship? Is that when you know a person's heart given to Christ? Oh, look at their worship. Is it when they say so? Listen to my words. My heart's given to Christ. Is it when they're loud in their proclamation? How do you know when a person's heart is given to Christ? Let me tell you, friend, it's this. It's when they are grieved over their sin. It's, it's, it's as plain as that. It's as simple as that. You want to know when a person's heart belongs to Jesus it's when their sin breaks their heart. And, it's, and it's, it's when in the awareness of their sin that the tears begin to roll down their face. It's when their heart cries out as they're faced with their sin. Oh, Lord, God, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry for my sin. I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never said that. I wish I'd never gone there. I wish I'd never entered into a rebellion. And their heart breaks and they weep over their sin. Let me be honest with you. It may be the toughest thing I've ever said in a pulpit. Let me be honest with you. If your sin has never broken your heart, if the regret of your sin has never caused you to hate your rebellion, if your sins never caused you to hate your selfishness and to hate your pride, if, if the hatred and the, re, the regret of your sins never caused you to, to call out and to weep and desire a Savior, oh, Lord, there has to be some remedy for this. Oh, I'm so sick of my sin, Lord. I've made a mess of my sin. If your sins never caused you to cry out for a Savior, there's a pretty good chance you don't know Jesus. I, I believe that. You see, that's who Jesus is. And Matthew says, you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Listen, that's who Jesus is. He's the savior for sin. He's the remedy of sin. And if you, if you think you've met Jesus but you've never been burdened by your sin, you don't even know who he is. If you've never been burdened in your sin, I don't think you know who Jesus is. And let me go a little bit further for us as believers. If you're not growing in your hatred for sin, which means this, if you're getting good at getting comfortable in it, if, if you're getting good at explaining it away, well, let me tell you all the reasons why. Let me tell you why I can't help myself. Let me tell you why I'm not as bad as other people. If you're getting good at explaining it away, listen, there's a pretty good chance you're not walking with Jesus. Peter goes out and as a disciple of Jesus, as one who truly loves Jesus, as one whose heart belongs to Jesus, I don't even know who he is. Listen, he's given his heart to Jesus. 
he goes out and he weeps bitterly. He hated his sin. He's broken over his sin. He goes out and he weeps bitterly. Friends, here's the good news. And there is good news. Listen to me. Here's the good news. That's why Jesus goes on. You see, he knew the cost of sin. He knew the hurt of sin. He knew the guilt of sin. He knew what Peter was carrying as he walked out and as he he wailed outside somewhere out of the courtyard. That's why Jesus goes on. That's why Jesus goes on to the cross of Calvary. It was to pay for sin. It was to be the remedy for the ugliness of sin. It was to be the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world and our sins on him are laid. Our shame on him is placed and he takes it to the cross and he bears it to Calvary and we bear it no more. And friend, when we wail over our sin, when we're hopeless in our sin, when our stomachs are in knots over our sin, when we hate our sin, and then and only then will we worship the Savior for our sin. His name is Jesus, and he went to the cross, and he paid it all that we bear it no more. Praise God for the Savior, Jesus. Let me tell you something, when you're sick of your sin, when you're sick of the mess you've made in your sin, we have a Savior and he saves us from sin and we bear it no more and his name is Jesus. And Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly and he stands and he puts his face where it goes and he goes to the cross. Praise God. Let me tell you something, if you're here today and you're in your sin, you've made a mess in your sin and you never put your faith in Jesus, The grace of God is offered to you today. Forgiveness is offered to you today. Receive it today. He says he remembers it no more. He cleans your slate. You don't have to bear the guilt and the shame of it any longer. Put your faith in Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, let us hear this message today and say, let us say, no more of this, no more of this. Let us honor Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Praise God for the Savior for sin. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we come and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that, that when I couldn't find a remedy, when I couldn't find a fix, when there was no work that I could muster up, when I was sinking deep in sin, you sent a Savior. I'm thankful that you didn't, you didn't make it a mystery, but from the very start, you said, call his name Jesus. He'll save them from their sin. That on the cross of Calvary, my sin is put upon you, and the wrath of God is poured, upon, poured out on, his, on my Savior, Jesus, that he bears it all the way, and he finishes it, and he says, it is finished. The payment is paid in full. And Paul says the certificate of death which was angry against us, is removed. It's paid in Jesus. Jesus paid it all. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray for some here today that have never put their faith in Jesus. I pray that today is that day. I pray that in the weight and in the, in the hatred of their sin that they cry out for a Savior, Lord, today. I pray that salvation would ring out today. Lord, I pray for us here today as believers that we would, on such a worldly day, we would cast our eyes away from such a messed up, sorry world. We'd focus upon you, the Savior for sin. 
we would honor you with our breath and our lives. Lord, I pray in this time of invitation that you would move, that you would work, that you would speak. And I pray that the result would glorify you and bring honor to you. And I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.